technology shapes and influences every aspect of our lives today, and we're only beginning to scratch the surface of understanding how it will radically change the way we live and work in the future. Coming up... It's about understanding the needs. It's about applying that to your organization and getting everybody on board. Because what we've seen, we've seen very fragmented um, implementations of AI and automation to date. It's been very siloed. The rest of the organization don't understand what the benefits are. We often understood what the benefits should be. What does good look like? So to me, Michael, it's going back to basics. That's what a good, good AI department looks like. It's about saying, this is what I want to do with my AI. These are the metrics which I want to measure it by. And here is the outcome. And we're doing that today. You're listening to the Future Rhythmic Podcast with Michael Hainsworth, a Nokia original series. For the telecommunications industry to transition to 5G, it must also transition to the world of artificial intelligence. Machine learning algorithms are the linchpin to holding the entire infrastructure together. And CSPs need to get up to speed, fast. TM Forum's Vice President of AI, Aaron Bozeman Patel, understands the strengths and weaknesses within the walls of today's modern communications service provider. He points out that a mobile provider may not meet all of its enterprise customers' needs, but it will need to understand the power of machine learning and partner to fill in its knowledge gaps. And regardless of who's providing the artificial intelligence, without the real power of AI, there is no benefit to migrating to 5G. Now is definitely the time to deploy AI, or there is no benefit, as you said, Michael, to deploy, you know, 5G. Because if we think about what 5G is all about, it's about, you know, uh, ultra um, ultra low latency, it's about high reliability, it's about billions of devices being connected. And that's where all these use cases are going to be for 5G, particularly when you think about the enterprise opportunity that we're, we're going to have. I mean, the 700 billion worth you know, of revenue ready for CSPs who want to you know, really go into the 5G enterprise space. But what's critical is to realize those business cases and those use cases is you fundamentally have to automate all of your services. I mean, you know, on a today, a traditional telco network is about 400 incidents per hour. That's going to go up to 10,000 when we start looking at 5G and some of those use cases. So without automation, that's not going to be happening. We're not going to get the reliability uh, that we need and all of those benefits from realizing, you know, the 700 billion of value for CSPs. Particularly within the enterprise community, it's one thing that Joe Blow wants to walk down the street playing Angry Birds and texting and things like that. But the remarkable advances that 5G provides the enterprise means that you have no choice but to use AI to develop, maintain, and update all of those services. Absolutely. I mean, this is this is what this is what people have to really understand with those use cases. So if it's everything from, you know, if you think about farming, you know, that's one of the great use cases been, that's been looked at. You know, there's going to be drones going in the air. We're going to be measuring, you know, air, air quality. We're measuring air temperature. We're looking at soil density. We're going to be looking at, you know, the amounts of phosphates you need to put up, put on the soil. So this is a different type of service that we're going to offer today. As you say, it's not about Joe Blogs anymore wanting to do gaming or walking down the street, you know, following the Google map somewhere. This is about real services in real time, which are going to rely fundamentally on automation, uh, you know, and understanding what role that's got to play. And think about food safety, for example, you know, if you're using visual recognition, um, you know, we, we've seen m- many recalls, you know, of late, like, you know, whether it's baby milk being infected, whether it's cheese, chocolate, whatever, because there's you know, small bits of plastic going into foods. 
But actually, CSPs can use visual recognition to do that. But this is where automation is going to be key because actually all of the machines or the visual recognition with the communication connectivity is all going to have to be fully entwined and working together to deliver that value of service. So yeah, the enterprise opportunity is what's so exciting because it's going to unleash this whole new range, you know, of services. And it's actually going to help the enterprise realize, you know, what it is that they want. So it's not about transformation only for the CSP. And I think this is what people sometimes get a little bit lost at, you know, Michael. This is about understanding, yes, it's transformative technology for a CSP to have new business models, to offer new services. But actually for the enterprise, it can fundamentally change the way in which they do business as well. And it allows the CSP to provide what's referred to as a zero-touch operations center. Again, the idea that you don't have individual engineers tweaking knobs and turning dials here or there, because the clients may very well have different needs at different times, and you need to make these adjustments on the fly. Absolutely. And this is why we, we talk about automation, autonomous networks, AI. It's about zero weight, you know, a zero touch and zero partnering. And that's the whole idea is that automation is going to give us these great benefits that, you know, it's in real time that, you know, that you can get the service, you know, which you need. So, for example, you know, if you're in manufacturing, there's going to be certain times of the day where it's more economical. Um, I don't know what it's what it's like for you guys, but here in the UK, the news everywhere today is about gas prices, you know, astronomical um, prices and some industries are going to have to close down. But actually, AI and automation gives you new opportunities because you can switch the machinery on, at, at not on peak hours. So actually, rather than having a lot of production during the day, you can switch it to be, you know production at night. So that just gives you some idea of how automation can allow you to really start to adapt to some real kind of, whether it's energy consumption needs, or whether, you know, it's consumer needs, you know, at different times, it makes more sense to maybe produce, you know, or, or to offer a different service. As, as we always say, you know, electricity consumption is another one, you know, when, when people watch, you know, it's a bit different today with on-demand television, but, you know, uh, everyone used to, you know, between in the UK, Coronation Street, a very famous soap opera, as soon as it, the, the adverts come on, the Kevron's kettles went on, you know, and energy consumption goes up. And it's the same principle. And that's why I give you some of these other examples, because you can apply it to any use case for what you want to do with that. It's about on demand, zero weight, zero touch. If you want to offer a new service, you want to configure something, you don't want to wait two weeks for your engineer to come in, you know, to, to fiddle, as you say, with the knobs coming in, you know, changing things. You need the right consumption. You need the right, you know, the right bandwidth, you need the right analytics tools, all of those things in real time. And that's where AI and automation going to have you know a really important role to play and i'll give you one example we've been working with one csp uh we're all out of 5g base stations and through automation and ai they've been able to save between 10 and 15 percent on power uh reduction that's a huge amount of money if you can think between 10 and 15 percent on power reduction on 5g base stations or think of everything else we can start to roll out, you know, with, with, with automation. You know, another CSP we're working with, we're able to reduce manual activities by 30%. And that goes back to what you were saying, Michael, that stops. You know, every time you want to upgrade your service, have something in real time, sending an engineer out, actually, it could be zero weight, zero touch, zero partner. While the customer experience is often cited as the area that CSPs are investing in with technology for AI, like chatbots, I'd really actually like to get your insight into areas that are just as critical. You know, you mentioned the beginning of the whole process. Nobody puts up a 5G tower today without leveraging machine learning first. No, absolutely. And I think this is the, the types of services that, that we need to understand about our customer better. So, you know, with 5G, we'll say, you know, 
can, can, can my customer actually have this service? So like you said, do we have the right infrastructure in the right place? What is the coverage like? Does it give you the latency that you need for these services? Because with 5G, you know, this is going to be really important when we think about ultra low latency, you know, and, and the variables from one millisecond to four milliseconds are going to be really critical depending on what that use case is going to be. Whether you're launching a smart port, you know, whether you're going to do healthcare. I mean, healthcare is going to really rely on those on those you know milliseconds, um, you know, of latency. And that's why you know it's it, it's about across that whole journey of, of buy, you know, sell, operate. That whole kind of life cycle is where automation is going to have a real critical role to play. And I think. People have to stand back and say, and what else can it do for us as well as a customer experience? Well, you know, the green agenda is is on, on top of everybody's mind. You know, we've heard about the climate, you know, emergencies that we've had. A lot of enterprises, a lot of telcos, you know, have green initiatives. And again, AI and automation are going to have a critical role, you know, to play in that. We've seen you know, in data centers consume huge amounts of of power, uh, you know, um, as well. And actually, I saw a really interesting uh, presentation given by the CEO of Colt uh, last week, and she was citing some um, some stats. And if the telecoms industry was a country, it would have it would be the fifth largest polluter uh, in in terms of uh, emissions. So that's where AI and automation has a really important role to play. As I said earlier, reducing, you know, power reduction in base stations, reducing energy consumption, you know, in a data center. So it isn't just about a customer experience in a traditional sense. It's actually about that whole right infrastructure, right place for right service, but also enabling you to also operate services at the cost point that the market requires. 5G also expands the attack surface to the point where it is impossible to manage security without machine learning algorithms. But security isn't a box that you buy at a tech store, you stick on a shelf, you plug it in. Do CSPs understand the cost of AI-based security isn't simply a one-time purchase? Yeah, and I think CSPs, you know, have, have gone through a great evolution in terms of their security. You know, it's more now about security by design. You know, security is embedded within every single thing. And, you know, there's a lot of complex questions, though, Michael, that have to be solved around that issue. You know, it, it is about security by design. It is about it being embedded. Um, you know, we start seeing AI controlling AI and, and that's, you know, that, and that's adding a lot of complexity. And I think with security, we've got to really understand, you know, what, you know, public, we still have those, those questions with, with AI, you know, public versus private cloud for certain algorithms, where it's going to be based, you know, how, you know, what does security look like within those different operating, you know, environments? So, and that's, you know, and CSPs have been going through virtualization for a long time. So it's not only about AI where security is important. It's this whole modern infrastructure as we migrate to 5G. We've got much more virtualization in there. But yeah, I think CSPs do understand, um, you know, we've started to see regulation around the world fining for security violations. Customers are incredibly sensitive about their data today. So there's actually been a change in what the customer expects, which also makes it even more important. But yeah, it's not a one-time fix, you know, with AI and security. It's got to be embedded in every single thing that we do. And it's got to be that first question, I think, that every CSP wakes up and does, you know, on a daily basis. Is my AI secure? Can we govern it properly? Because the challenge with AI, it's non-deterministic. It's even more fragile than traditional software, you know, because of the way it's going to work and because of business models. And, you know, people aren't going to give insights into how the algorithm works. That's they're actually buying the algorithm. That's where the IP sits. 
So it's got to be about explainability of AI, understanding it in real time and understanding what are the security parameters around it. Many questions still to ask around security bit. Yes, CSPs really, I think, if anything in AI, I think security is front and center more than anything else. And, and in my role at TN Forum, I constantly get asked about security and explainability. That explainability is critical. You can't have a black box that's spitting out alerts and not knowing why. No, absolutely not. And this is this is a big area where we're going to see regulation, you know, playing a, a big role. And at TM Forum, one of the big things we do uh, is we have a whole um, collaboration group that looks on, you know, AI governance, which fundamentally is how do you explain AI in real time? You know, how can you use things such as really understanding using APIs, for example, to discover, you know, what data is being used? Why are the decisions, you know, being taken? You know, we're looking at things like AI, uh, AI model data sheets. So we're saying, what is the minimum amount of information we need to collect on that data? Now, these are big industry initiatives because these are things we have to solve as an industry. We have to understand and explain in real time. That was the data that was used. And therefore, these are the decisions that were made as a result of that, of that AI. Because explainability comes into everything from bias. It comes back into the security questions uh, that you're asking. I mean, because it's non-deterministic, AI is updating in real time. We have to be able to explain those decisions because otherwise we can have whole systems shut off. You can be looked out of. You can have systems going down. And also, you know, you can get that creeping in of bias if we're not careful. So explainability is, is I think, center uh, of everything that, that we need to do. We need to understand what the data is, what the explainability is. And also, you know, like with, with the API suite, we, we've done the contract management one. It's about, you know, what do we expect the, the, the threshold to be of, of which the AI can act in and what actions should be triggered if there's an unexpected event. So you have to think about your software engineering a little bit different in terms of, you know, what actions are triggered if, if, if things are within certain thresholds. And that comes back to that explainability question, because if not, you're going to see multi, multi-million pound fines coming in across the industry, and that we want to evolve because there's going to be no trust if we're not careful. You mentioned bias in data sets within artificial intelligence, and this is a critical issue within the artificial intelligence community, as we know. Uh, the most common example that's cited is the financial services sector, and that some people weren't getting loans because of the color of their skin, not because they were or were not qualified. And if you look at that historical data, it would say some very horrible things about certain segments of the population if you just let it run wild without cleaning that data. What are some of those issues within the artificial intelligence community? What kind of bias do you have to remove within telecom? Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a huge amount of, of bias, you know, that, that we need that we need to look at, and. Um, you know, I'll give you another example, because when we start to think about, you know, so obviously, you know, race is is uh, is one that, that has been, you know, looked at in the financial sector, you know, because of bias there. Uh, and, you know, if you think about healthcare, that's another great example where, you know, there were three hospitals testing, looking for tumour growth. It's a very well-known case study. Certain hospitals had red tags, some had blue tags, some had green tags. The AI machine algorithm, were, you know, was working and it worked out that people with, with red tags were less likely to have cancer. That was actually because of their access to healthcare, because again, there's a democratic, a demographic issue underlying what that is. So that happens across all data across a telecom network. And that's what we have to understand. What do we mean by bias? And that can be anything from, you know, looking at detection of base, uh, base stations. You know, we're using visual um, drones, visual recognition technology to look at base stations. Well, not all base stations are configured in the same way, right? There's, there's different vendors with different technology stacks, different different color wires, uh, for example, on the way that different uh, you know different systems are connected together. 
bias can creep in absolutely everywhere. And again, you can have fault diagnosis going wrong again because of, of bias. And that's why the medical one's a good example because, you know, whether one vendor uses one color lead for one certain area of connecting versus another, you're going to very easily get bias creeping in time and time again. So it will affect everything from same use case. It can affect things from, you know, can this service provider offer financing for a handset or, or can they be postpaid or prepaid based on, based on certain demographics? It's the same with, you know, is my engineering going to suffer because actually we've only trained it against one certain vendor's equipment versus, versus another one that we have. So. Bias can creep in, in all sorts of horrible ways. And that's why we constantly must, you know, re really reassess that data we have. And as I say, it's not just about the customer. It's actually the bias can creep in in terms of your service quality, in terms of, you know, uh, you know, the zero weight, zero touch, all of that stuff we, we're trying to do with AI. Bias can creep in there as well. You've said in the past that we talk too much about journeys when all the customer really wants is reliability. Explain that in more detail. Have CSPs been investing in the wrong areas of customer experience? Yeah, I, I would say absolutely great question. I'd say that's absolutely uh, something we see time and time again. So, you know, call centers were very costly. You know, you didn't always get the best experience. So the first applications of AI was saying, okay, well, let's get chatbots. Well, the experience of those weren't particularly, weren't particularly great anyway. But this is the challenge, Michael. You know, why are we using chatbots? Why does it not just work? You know, when you order something off of Amazon, you know, it's very rare something goes wrong. You know, you order a book, the book comes through the post the next day. I order connectivity. I want connectivity. I want the service that, that I offer. So this is why with AI, it is about, you know, predictive maintenance. It's about ensuring quality of service. Wouldn't it be great rather than me having to go on a chat box that let's say there's some maintenance in the area happening, you know, between 10 and 12 tomorrow morning. I'd love to have Hi, Mr. Bosan Patel. Really sorry, but tomorrow between 10 and 12, we're going to do maintenance. Don't worry. We're right on it and, and you'll be back and give you any updates. Then I don't need to go on a chatbot and say, hi, my service isn't working. It's these types of proactive experiences we can get through automation and AI. And again, you know, if there's, if there's five different routers, you know, in my area, they can reroute me to a different box to make sure that I've still got a good quality of service, particularly as we're all working from home now. Oh, you bring up chatbots. They're all the rage, but they can be rage-inducing. How do we execute a chatbot correctly? Yeah, I think that's a that's a great question because I've certainly, uh, you know, uh, have been rage-induced uh, several times trying to, to look um, at, at a chatbot. So there's several things that, that you can do. And again, this is where, you know, diagnosis becomes uh, really important. So um, with my search file, I give you a very, very good use case. And this is where the importance of things like APIs become uh, important. And then also doing things like looking at your, your automating your dashboards and, and, and doing things for service revolution and automated workflow. So time for me, lovely got text message. Hi, Aaron, time to update your phone, have a new service. I went through, tried to do it all on, on my phone app, and then I kept trying to pay. It wouldn't let me pay. Nothing wrong with my credit card. It wouldn't even let me get through to the payment section. So there's a problem with my service provider's payment API. It should know that already, and it should redirect me through. The same uh, principle with when we're trying to talk, talk on chatbots. If computer says no, if you don't understand, you then need to direct me straight through to an agent. So it's about understanding what those thresholds are for customer pain and customer frustration. Chatbots can be great things to upgrade, and that's what mine was through. It's actually through a chatbot to, to, to upgrade. But when it didn't work, there was no help. It just didn't recognize it. But also, surely on the back end, on the operation system, it should have come up on the BSS saying, oh, there's a problem here with billing. And it should have flagged through to the operation center and it should have been a quick fix. Instead, I think it took about a week to get done because it took me a week to upgrade. So 
that is how chatbots really need to be integrated with your backend systems. And I think today, you know, chatbots have been seen very much a front-end customer kind of experience as a way to get in. We haven't seen full integration end-to-end with the operation system. And that's where we've got to get to. What skill sets are the vendor partners bringing to the 5G table to fill in the missing blanks of expertise at the CSP level? I often sit here and and talk a lot about CSPs and the changes that they're doing in the skill sets. But I've got to say the vendors have gone through, you know, an amazing uh, revolution and change, you know, themselves. And what we're seeing is different sizes of service provider looking for different skill sets. So, you know, some service providers, um, Vodafone's a good example. It's public. You know, they've just recently recruited 5,000, you know, new software engineers to come bring on board, look at AI. But they've also recognized we can't do it all ourselves. We've got so so they're looking at a hybrid of, you know, we'll do something, we'll do something, we'll, we'll do some things in-house, we'll partner on other things, and looking for the vendors to to find those skills which which they don't have. There's other operators that I work with that say, hey, we don't want to do this ourselves, we're too small, we don't have the finances, so we need we need our vendor partners um, you know, to, to look at doing that. So what I've seen is really a lot of vendors starting to step up and say, actually, we can provide this service in these areas and offer this skill set. So I remember when I started telecoms about 15 years ago, it was all about outsourcing, you know, a lot of managed services, operators brought it in-house. And now with AI, we're starting to see a mixture. And again, that mixture starts to mean we've got to have a mixture of skills. So big areas in there, you know, data science becomes really important. That is a skill set that we that we that we really see, you know, a, a big need. Coding is another area. Not everybody's going to be, you know, uh, a, a great coder. Some people will. And then, you know, you've seen vendors bringing some great innovations around low code. So actually, you know, they're giving people who aren't maybe the best coders the power to do some coding because they're actually brought in some low code um, areas in, in, in that space. So, I would say, you know, vendors are stepping up, but I think the biggest thing is every service provider is going to have different needs and at different times and on different applications. So I don't think anyone can say, right, we're going to take this approach to AI. I think it's going to be so use case dependent. And I think some of the, you know, some of the the big guys have got a really unique role to fill because you not only work in telecom, you've got many other verticals. And I think the integration part, understanding what those other enterprises need is going to be a critical, unique selling point. Let's come full circle on everything we've discussed here. To you, what's the secret to a successful AI deployment in a large-scale enterprise? It's about scalability. And I think this is, this, is, this is what success looks like. It's about understanding what you want to deploy. It's about, it's about understanding the needs. It's about applying that to your organization and getting everybody on board. Because what we've seen, we've seen very fragmented um, implementations of AI and automation to date. It's been very siloed. The rest of the organization don't understand what the benefits are. We often understood what the benefits should be. What does good look like? So to me, Michael, it's going back to basics. That's what a good, good AI deployment looks like. It's about saying, this is what I want to do with my AI. These are the metrics which I want to measure it by. And here is the outcome. And we're doing that today. Believe it or not, we haven't seen many deployments that look at that. And chatbots, I think, was a great, was a great, uh, was a great easy example. Uh, you know, where you can say we've done a terrible job at doing it. We weren't measuring the right outcomes. We weren't measuring the right experiences. The whole organisation weren't brought in because the CM team was doing it. It was the call centres producing costs. It didn't integrate with the OSS with the BSS, and we had challenges. So it's about for whatever that deployment is, seeing it through end to end. And I have to say, time and time again. 
You have to work with the right partners. You have to really understand what is it you're buying. Are you buying expertise? Are you buying software? Are you buying a component? And how is that going to work and be managed? Because with AI, it's not good enough to say, I'm buying that algorithm from you and we're going to deploy it on our network or that AI module, make it smart. AI is too complex to, to work like that for all the reasons we've talked about in this podcast, from everything from security to integration, you know, to, to understanding what's going on. So it's got to be back to basics. Aaron, this has been fascinating. Before we let you go, though, tell me, what excites you the most about the deployment of AI in a 5G world? What excites me that absolute most of deploying this is the fact that CSPs can really now take advantage of 700 billion of brand new revenues, right? You know, we've talked about what is the role of the CSP for years. We've talked about digital transformation. I spent a lot of time doing that. Now is not the time to talk about digital transformations. Now's the time to do it. Now, you know, there is no more excuses to wait. You know, 5G is going to unlock so many new services, 700 bit enterprise space is desperate for transformation. We've seen through the pandemic, enterprises and businesses that have changed have grown their revenue seven times larger than those who haven't. So what we want to do is say, now is the time for 5G. You've got 700 billion, take your slice of the pie and deploy AI and automation to do it because without AI and automation, those 5G opportunities are not within your reach. See the future. Listen to what's next. Read about world-changing ideas. All by visiting nokia.com slash insights. The Futurithmic podcast with Michael Hainsworth is a Nokia original series.